I've spoken before about intelligence and one aspect of real intelligence is not passing IQ tests, which are pretty meaningless. It's about understanding the implications and the ramifications of a piece of information. This kind of intelligence is sadly amazingly lacking. In one sense, it's the converse of something I spoke about uh, the other day, which is uh, cognitive dissonance. Now, um, which is not understanding the consequences of something that you know to be true. The problem is that term has been misapplied to the point it's almost a, a definition now that it's cognitive dissonance, dissonance is something that really goes against current opinion. I mean, they say, oh, you're suff suffering from cognitive dissonance if you refuse to wear a mask and things like this. But this is absolutely ridiculous. That isn't what cognitive dis dissonance is at all. But it is the opposite of understanding the implications of something. Um, I have many, well, I say I have many arguments with atheists. In fact, atheists as a group refuse to argue. It's like, and I, and I even get this, oh no, I've made up my mind, I'm not going to listen to anything that contradicts my opinion. There's a fear among most atheists that I've spoken to, and it seems to be more and more the case, that they simply don't want to go anywhere that might upset their, uh, their world view. They are like kids running around with their fingers in their ear, refusing to listen to anything. As an example of this, I've brought up the fact that um, in many of my articles, if you go to my website, I talk about uh, dimensions beyond the fourth dimension. Um, in my website, philip.braham.net, I, I talk about how consciousness is an aspect of the fifth dimension, and I talk about dimensions beyond that. And the response invariably is, well, so what? But, you know, if you're going to argue that um, science can understand or potentially understand everything, and the classic statement that which you get from sceptics and atheists, oh, well, I believe what I see or what I perceive, then um, the fact that there are more than four dimensions totally goes against that. But yet the implications of that are completely lost. It's as if to say, so what? But we see this in a way with quantum mechanics. Um, particles behave in a totally different way uh, at, the, the part, at the molecular level than they do in the macro level in the physical world. And this is just seen as one of those things. Um, but if, if particles can contradict the laws of physics as we know them, then there's really no reason why... Objects couldn't do that. We don't know why particles behave in the way they do, so we don't really know why objects behave in the way we do. Um, you've only got some kind of observation and supposition. If you understand the fifth dimension, and, and I do explain this in my writings, it starts to make much more sense. Now, in this regard, I'm going to start with a statement which seems amazingly obvious, but we're going to work towards the understanding the implications of this. We live in a three, or as I put it, a three and a half dimensional universe, because there's a three spatial dimensions. 
and there's the time dimension which as human beings we're only able to perceive in or usually only perceive in one direction which is in the past we're not aware of the future and that's and i've said that this isn't a function of the universe this is a function of the, of human beings that, that we're limited with this it's not how the universe works whatever so-called scientists will tell you so now imagine uh, a three-dimensional universe without time so it is as it were a snapshot a moment of time and you can imagine the world in one brief moment of time and you can go around and and see it and observe this and because of course we're doing that from outside of the three dimensions but that, that's fine we're looking at a three-dimensional snapshot you might see for instance a boy throwing a ball in the air and you can see the hands and you can see the ball you don't know if the ball's going up or if it's on its way down there's nothing in that three-dimensional snapshot which tells you that the relationship the between the boy and the ball can be inferred um, because they're near each other and you can see from his hands. There might be, uh, he might be in a garden of a house and you could infer maybe the boy lives in the house. Proximity in those three dimensions shows association, shows, you know, some kind of relationship between them. You could go around the other side of the world, let's say this is in London and go to New York and look at a situation there. There's nothing that ties a person, for instance, in New York to that boy in London. There's absolutely no way of saying why they should even be connected. There's no proximity there. But then we open up into the fourth dimension. We run the film, as it were, forward in time, and we see the man in New York get on a plane, and he flies to London, and he gets off, and he visits the boy in London some uh, quite a few hours later. The relationship between the two is in time. And we see this all the time. You can imagine two people, they're living in different places, but then they meet in an office. They work together, but then they go their separate ways. So things are related in a three-dimensional universe only through understanding the fourth dimension. Now, in exact the same way things are related in five dimensions that may appear to have no relationship at all in our four-dimensional universe you see science only understands cause and effect which is a time related way of looking at things and time only in the forward dimension this is not how the universe works. It's in one aspect of how the universe works, which is why we can use science. But it's by no means the only aspect of how the universe works. And these relationships on the fifth dimension are completely unknown to us. Now, an extremely intelligent person who's listening to this may start thinking about the consequences and the connotations of that. As an example... Uh, scientists debunk astrology. Now, as it happens, the only, so far as I know, the only um, serious study of astrology was done was done by a French bloke in the, uh, I think it was in the early 20th century, I think his name's Galkine or something like that. And he looked at the, the time of birth on French birth certificates 
and he compared them to uh, people who were extremely successful in their fields. So he didn't just look at people who were soldiers, he looked at people who became admirals or the top soldiers, not just the ordinary scientists, but the people who became the top scientists, the top doctors, the top musicians, and so on. And he set out to debunk astrology once and for all, but to his horror, he found that there was actually um, uh, some, some correlations. And one of the extreme ones that dropped out was not to the sun sign, which is what we normally look at in astrology, but to the rising sign, I think it was. This, this work is available on the internet, even though it's tried to be debunked and suppressed. Now, of course, scientists want to suppress this and debunk it because it doesn't fit in with the idea of cause and effect. But if we step outside of that and look in terms of five dimensions, we can, as I said, say that things that don't normally appear to be related in our four-dimensional universe can have a relationship in the fifth dimension. Now, one aspect of the fifth dimension is, I suppose, what we might call simile or metaphor. And I've talked about this before. The fifth dimension is, in one sense, uh, based on simile and metaphor. The universe is built on metaphor. When we talk about the depths of the unconscious as being like the deep sea, this is not just a, a nice pleasant little simile that we can take and, and um, amuse ourselves with. It is actually a kind of foundation on which the universe was built in order that we can understand our own characteristics by observing external phenomena. And when you're able to draw consequences and understanding from the world around you, a lot of these things start to make sense. The idea that people who are born under the sign of Taurus should have a certain bullishness about them or that people born under the sign of the goat should be fairly capricious or, or you know, Geminis as having this communication ability or so on, is based really on a kind of metaphor or similarly with the uh, characteristics of the universe as it appears and the constellations as they appear from Earth. Now, you would argue, or scientists would argue, well, that's completely arbitrary. And in fact, it's changed over thousands of years anyway. But the point is we're not dealing in cause and effect here. We're not dealing in something that's scientifically verifiable because it's taking place outside of cause and effect. It's taking place in a totally different way of looking at things. And when you understand this way of looking at things, a lot of things make sense. Of course, the rationalist, we're going to put that word in inverted commas because they're not usually rational in a real sense of the word, would say that this is a recipe for madness. And there is um, a syndrome called apophenia, um, which is the definition of it, which is finding patterns where none exist. Now, so far as I know, and I've looked at this, nobody raises the fact that that whole definition is, is an oxymoron. It's just, it's just absurd. You're seeing patterns according to if you according to these highfalutin websites where none exist, but who's to say that the patterns don't exist? In other words, if you see things differently to what these established um, scientists 
how to how these established scientists say you should see them, you are suffering from a disease. You're suffering from apophenia. And presumably, somebody who believes in astrology would be told that they suffer from apophenia. Now, this is this tendency we have, and it's getting more and more prevalent, to label people who disagree with an established norm as if they're having some kind of mental illness. I've even seen um, touted, and, and you know, as a, as a by by mental health workers, that people who refuse to um, get the COVID jab are suffering from a mental illness and should be treated as such. Now, this is frightening. And I say, and I've said this before about believing impossible things, and the reason for believing impossible things is to open yourself up to looking at these connections and to the possibility of these connections because they take place, as I say, at a level of simile and metaphor. This is the language of dreams. It's the natural language of the mind. The mind is not logical. I mean, the idea that the universe and the mind work logically is completely absurd because logic doesn't tell us anything which we don't already know. And I've talked about this before. Really, the only way of understanding anything new is by seeing things in this way of metaphor, of seeing how, how a situation applies in a different situation. The Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, who, in his, from what I can see of him, seems to be incredibly intelligent, because he understands the big picture. He sees things in ways that most people don't. He tells a story about the zebra and why the zebra has, has stripes, which would appear black and white stripes, you'd think, would stand out um, in, a, in a green environment, in a grassy environment, and would act counter to camouflage. But that's not how the camouflage works for the zebra. What happens is that the zebras move in herds. And typically, a hunter, such as a, a lion, will pick on a weak member of the herd and chase it until exhaustion. The problem with the zebras is that because of their stripes, the, very, it's very difficult to discern one zebra from another. So the lion starts chasing a zebra in the intention of running it to exhaustion, but then finds it's chasing a totally different zebra because, you know, they've moved around. And so it's very difficult to hunt a zebra to exhaustion because they're not hunting the same one all the time. Um, but he draws the conclusion from that. And he says, well, let's apply this and let's see how this applies to to people, about how people don't want to stand out from the group because they're going to get shot down. Um, they stay, and, and of course, it's a good metaphor. I mean, there are other ways of, of looking at that same situation as regards people, but the metaphor is a good one, and it's taking an example of something and seeing the wider implications of it. People nowadays are, are unable to do that. But the idea of, of seeing that there are connections that aren't normally visible... As I say, the sceptics would say you're suffering from apophenia and would, would argue this way lies insanity. And in a way, they're right. I mean, 
you know, if we look at schizophrenics and, and you know, the, the, the people that we might say aren't in touch with reality, they've often gone too far in that direction. Um, and I say too far in that direction because they're unable often to function in the real world. But in a sense, what they're seeing is a reality. It's just a reality that we can't relate to and that we don't understand. You know, a mystic who has a complete submission to God, in one sense, would be unable to function very well in our in our Western society. And such people often go off and become hermits, you know, because they, they simply can't abide by um, dealing with the ordinary people in the ordinary world. Um, so in a sense, you could say that they're suffering from a kind of insanity as well. Well, let's all have it. Let's all have that insanity that takes us away from thinking that um, money is the, you know, is the aim of everybody or just material life or um, the deadliness, the, de the dead fullness of atheism is to be aspired to, you know. And um, the further we move away from that, the better. So maybe we should all embrace a kind of insanity, which again is why I've said, believe in impossible things. Look for these relationships between the other worlds, the other dimensions, and what we can experience. So the boy throwing the ball in our snapshot, the relationship between the boy and the ball is obvious, between the boy and the house, probably less so, and so on. We do it on physical, um, on spatialness, because that we're just dealing in three dimensions. So to look at these connotations between the four dimensions that we know of and the fifth dimension, we have to look at metaphor, we have to look at simile, we have to look at how this relates to that in the same way as Jordan Peterson was able to look at the zebras and say, well, how does that relate to people? And if you do this, you find that you can learn a lot about what's going on in ways that are completely invisible to, to the ordinary people. It opens you up to a totally different way of looking at things. And it stretches the mind. Um, you know, one of the things about the atheists and the sceptics, which is an almost impossible barrier to overcome, is the sheer narrow-mindedness and cut-off attitude that they're not going to listen to anything that goes against their beliefs. And, of course, it's said that if you get rid of that, if you open your mind up, well, any old crap can come in. Well... Yes and no, any old crap can come in, but it doesn't mean that you're completely discerning. Um, it doesn't mean that you lead your life according to any old crap. Um, people who know me wouldn't say that I lead my life according to crap, but yet I've opened it up and to ideas that most people would find completely ridiculous or incomprehensible. The reality just doesn't bear that out. You know, the people who want to tell us we should look at the real world and do experiments... Actually, if they did the experiments and looked at people who had an open mind, they would not find what they claim would happen. Yes, there are people who go mad, there are people who have absurd views, but it's not necessarily the case. And there are people who um, are so 
bogged down in dogmatic atheism and skepticism that they are essentially mad anyway. They're essentially insane, insane in any objective view of things. listening you can email me phil at graham.net you can look at my website philip with one l dot graham.net graham is b-r-a-h-a-m and if you send an email put podcast in the subject so it doesn't get lost thank you